Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you downloaded us from. Thank you for doing that. This is 1109B, the Bs are always guest segments, and we have a wonderful guest for you today. You've heard about the progress in with immunotherapy for solid tumors, both the checkpoint inhibitors and the T cell um, that are targeted for the solid tumors. And you've heard about the progress of those. Well, now we're going to talk about bloodborne cancers or blood cell cancers such as the leukemias. And one of the foremost people in that field is Natasha Kurienko. Her lab is Kurienko Lab, K-I-R-I-E-N-K-O-L-A-B dot rice dot edu because she is an associate professor of biosciences at Rice University and a scholar in cancer research with the Cancer Prevention and Research Institute of Texas. And interestingly enough, has targeted something we've talked about many times in this program about how important they are, maybe even sometimes about the origin, both in the A segments when we've talked about longevity and the importance of mitochondria. She is one of the world's experts in modifying the functioning of the mitochondria, especially in cancer. We'll get into that in just a second. But I want to remind you, go to LaceFirstNaturals.com. Lace First Naturals are the producers of both bovine colostrum and true biotics. You can go to that website, LaceFirstNaturals.com, see the randomized controlled trials and how useful they have been in designing studies, publishing studies that show the beneficial effects of, for example, bovine colostrum in preventing uh, leaky gut from non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and the occasional too much exercise that some may do. That is lifesfirstnaturals.com. Let's get to our guest now. And um, Dr. Karienko, how did you, thanks one for coming on, and two, how did you get so interested in mitochondria? Well, this is a pleasure to be here. And my fascination with mitochondria comes from their understanding of their importance. I often hear that mitochondria are powerhouse of the cell, and that feels like doing them so much injustice because they're critical for many other functions. They participate in metabolism of cholesterols and fatty acids. They regulate level of reactive oxygen species in a the cell. They're critical for calcium signaling and, of course, play a role in life-death decisions for a cell as they are intimately involved with multiple cell death pathways. And with that, no matter what we study, it ends up being studying mitochondria. If we study host pathogen interactions, then bacteria happen to damage mitochondria in host cell, leading to cell death and then organismal death. If we study cancer, that mitochondria are critical for cancer cell survival, and that's what we're using to kill cancer cells. 
if we're studying neurodegeneration, then uh, changing mitochondrial recycling can delay onset of paralysis. So this is just emphasizing how critical mitochondria are to pretty much any process in our body. I have been told, I don't know how true it is, that mitochondria really were bacteria that invaded the cell and then over evolution proved to be useful in providing ATP energy for the cell. What's the, is, is, is there any truth to that? Have you looked at the, the origins of mitochondria, how they got into mammalian cells? Mitochondria indeed originated from bacteria, and the way mitochondria generate energy is very similar how majority of bacteria generate ATP. For themselves, only bacterial pathways are much less complex and fewer protein complexes. Uh, original proto-mitochondria were engulfed by um, archaea and eventually that led rise to eukaryotic cells. So I'm not sure whether they were invading or whether they were taking advantage of, but overall relationship was extremely beneficial because these days mitochondria are kind of lazy. They need more than 1,000 proteins to be functional, but only care to encode a dozen, uh, well, 12 to 15 protein-coding genes. The rest of the job nucleus does for them. So they heavily rely on cellular machinery and cannot live without the rest of the cell anymore. So the mitochondria, when I've been taught they are important for energy production, meaning they take fat and glucose and produce energy. Do they, uh, or produce ATP, which then the cell uses um, for energy by changing it backwards, if you will, the ADP and getting the energy off of it. But do the cancer cells use the same pathways in mitochondria? Do they rely on the energy transfer chain or is there other mechanisms that cancer cells rely on? Different cancers adjusted their metabolisms in different ways. That's why before we even started on that project, we looked into which types of cancer could be more sensitive to mitochondrial damage. Mitochondria require oxygen to function. When we talk about solid tumors, that inside of the tumor, there is not enough oxygen. That's why there tumor cells will heavily rely on glycolysis, what's called Warburg effect. However, for blood cancers, the story is different and uh, intense mitochondrial metabolism is important for their function. And that's what our analysis revealed when we ranked seven different types of cancers with 60 different uh, cell lines. Uh, leukemias were number one, two, four, and I think 10 on the list, saying that indeed they are very sensitive to mitochondrial damage. And what's different about the mitochondrial function in these, um, if you will, leukemia cells from what would be a normal blood cell, normal white cell, for example? This is, this is an excellent question because uh, if we know the difference between cancer cell and healthy cell, we can design our treatment in a way that there is minimal possible side effects. So in uh, cancer cells, leukemia cells, 
mitochondrial metabolism is upregulated and there would be much higher level of ATP production, for example, because cancer cells trying to divide rapidly and they need much more energy to maintain their metabolism. So if we will inflict a small amount of mitochondrial damage, healthy cell will tolerate it. But cancer cell already pushing too hard, which results in slight damage to cancer mitochondria. That's why any additional damage just pushes it into mitochondrial death and then cancer cell death. So if, if I understand this is the main difference is in the vulnerability of the mitochondria because of how active they already are. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Correct. When mitochondria are too active, they produce more of a byproduct reactive oxygen species, which triggers mitochondrial damage. So cancer cell mitochondria just damage themselves by being overactive. It's like redlining your car. If your car is redlined, any additional damage will be extremely critical. So think of cancer cell mitochondria as the car that pushes way too hard all the time. The, uh, if, I, if I'm understanding this correctly, so what you then do is design drugs that hurt the cancer cells mitochondria and tip them over into recycling themselves or killing the cell, which, and at the dose you give it, doesn't hurt the normal cell. Is that what I understand? This is correct. With the dosage we apply, especially if we use combinatorial treatment, 95% of healthy cells survive this, but uh, only single digits, maybe 5-7% of cancer cell can last through this treatment. So we have more than order of magnitude difference in survival. And and does that mean that the, now when when a human normal non-cancer cell, for example, muscle cell is active, it is more vulnerable, meaning in other words, if you're doing a lot of exercise, it may be more vulnerable. Does that mean that during cancer treatment for leukemias, um, we should um, essentially rest and get more sleep and not do as much exercise as we might normally do? Well, specifically with muscle cell, when we exercise actively, skeletal muscle switch to glycolysis uh, because that's faster. That's like switching to diesel engine, if I'll continue with car analogs. Uh, but overall, different cells have different number of mitochondria and muscle cells designed to have a lot of them and maintain them. Blood cells normally not supposed to have that many mitochondria. It's cancer cells artificially overproliferate them and generate too high of a ROS, so reactive oxygen species. So these cancer cells not normally designed for high mitochondrial load, and that also makes them so vulnerable to mitochondrial damage. We're speaking with Natasha Kirienko, K-I-R-I-E-N-K-O, lab.rice.edu. She is a molecular biologist and cancer researcher, as well as an associate professor of biosciences at Rice University in the Texas Medical Center, scholar in cancer research, 
And you can see how nicely and easily she explains the mitochondrial function and the difference between normal and cancer cells and their mitochondria and uses them. You also studied bacteria, I, I suppose, as a model of mitochondria along the way. Is, is that, what did you learn from that or, or uh, is that a different topic entirely, Dr. Karienko? We, so we studied bacteria because they produce a molecules, iron, natural, very efficient iron chelator called siderophores. And these siderophores during infection can go into host cell. We did it using model nematode Cinerabditis elegans, very small worm, or human cell culture. There we observed how those bacteria-derived molecules damage host mitochondria to learn how do our cells respond to mitochondrial damage, which defense pathways they activate. And we learned a lot of interesting defense mechanisms studying that as well. Fantastic. Thank you for making this so clear. And um, I guess the final question that, that people will ask me is, what's the, what should we be doing in normal life to keep our mitochondria as healthy as possible? Um, are there, should we be taking coenzyme Q10? Should we be taking, should we be doing other things uh, such as um, intermittent uh, fasting or fasting periodically? Do any, do any of these things help may, or drinking coffee or green tea? Do any of these things help our mitochondria or is that not part of uh, what you've been studying? Uh, interestingly, certain supplements indeed boost mitochondrial function. In our hands, most important one was vitamin B12 because during uh, metabolism of uh, amino acids, they converted to keto acids, which may result in a buildup of toxic byproducts. We need vitamin B12 to metabolize those byproducts. And uh, when we did experiments in these small worms, we noticed that supplementation with B12 made them resistant to infection with multiple pathogens or oxidative damage. And I saw published study on mice where mice that had problems in B12 absorption become very sensitive to pathogens. So there may be something in it. And uh, I also heard from my colleague who is MD that vitamin B12 is utilized in a number of uh, intensive care units as one of the molecules that they frequently give during IV treatments to patients. However, lots of researchers will have their own favorite molecules. Take all of it with a grain of salt. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll take it with a grain of potassium salt um, rather than uh, <laughs> sodium-based salt. So thank you very much, Dr. Kurienko. It's to find out more, Kurienko, K-I-R-I-E-N-K-O lab, dot rice dot edu is the way of getting more information and contacting Dr. Kurienko directly. Um, this has been number 1109, talking about mitochondria, key importance, obviously, in um, many things. But now Natasha has figured out a way 
of utilizing her knowledge of them and the data she's acquired to aid in uh, leukemia treatments. Thank you very much. And thank you, Caitlin, for engineering, but especially thank you, our listeners, for downloading us. 50,000 a week, if you can't be wrong, I really appreciate it. It's what keeps us motivated to get these great guests like Dr. Karienko for you. Um, Again, our sponsor, go to their website, lifefirstnaturals.com, lifefirstnaturals.com, and go and listen to some of the other great podcasts at radiomd.com as well, radiomd.com. This has been Dr. Royzen, You, the Owner's Manual podcast on Radio MD or at radiomd.com or iHeart or wherever you download us from. Thanks very much. Talk to you next week, I hope.